Morning. So I remember growing up and having these moments as a child where I would have opportunity to play with blocks. And I remember growing up, I had an older sister. My older sister taught me how to play with Barbies. Um, but my friends taught me how to build forts. So isn't it funny that as we grew up, we, we learned to build things. We would say something like, hey, I'm going to build a fort that does this. And your friend would say, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to build a fort as well. But my fort's going to have a gun tower. And you'd be like, well, that's cool. Because my fort's going to have two of them. And you'd go, oh, well, that's good. Well, I can't do that. Um, I'm going to build a fort that has doors. Because you got to get in and out. And then somebody would say, well, that's all good, but... I'm going to build a fort that has a ceiling because I don't want it to rain on my guys while they're at battle. And the next guy would say, well, that's all good, but I'm going to build a fort that has a swimming pool in the backyard. And it just would keep going from there. And by the end of it, you ran out of time to actually do anything with the fort that you built. But it was all about what could you do to build up the fort. Just made me think about that's what real men do. Real men not only build things and people up around them, real men build everything up around them. They find people in their world, and it doesn't matter who they are, we invest ourselves in them. You know why? That's what Jesus would do. Jesus built people up. He didn't look at where they came from or what they did or who they even were. Jesus chose to build them up. I want you to see a picture this morning. Look at the screen with me. Here in just a second, you'll see this guy. This guy here, maybe you're in Bulgaria sometime soon. Um, I know that's a really popular vacation place. Um, Bulgaria, this guy's name is Dobri Dobrev. Now, Dobri may not make any sense to you because clearly he looks like a panhandler. Someone that would just ask you for money, and I would just tell you that's exactly what Dolbrev does every morning. Dolbrev goes to everybody around him, and he just asks them for their change and, and for money. He does that every day of his life. He gets up every morning early, and he goes to bed late doing this every day. Dolbrev lives on $100 a month. All the money he gets that people give him, he gives away. So far in Dobry's life, he's given over $80,000 away. You see, later in life, Dobry had a moment with God that changed his life. He took all of his possessions that he had earned over his lifetime, and he sold them and gave the money to the church. And right now, he lives at the church. He monitors the grounds at night, and he wakes up each day, and he goes and asks people for money. People have asked Dobry, why would you do something like this? Why, why would you go and, and do for others when you could do for yourself? Surely you should keep some of the money. You do all the work. Dobry's response is always the same. What would God do? If you were to change your eyesight today to focus on the things of God, how would he be doing his day differently than yours? 
This is what men do. They build each other up. They build others up. They build their employers up. They build their communities up. They build people up because there's a joy found in that. But I want to tell you something. I feel like we would much rather play blocks than build people up. Because it's going to cost you something. It may cost you your prejudice. It may cost you your fun. It may cost you everything to build someone up. But the question is, what do we want to be in life? And I believe culture is crying out, someone help me. And they're looking to people who claim to be followers of this guy named Jesus. And no help is coming. I, I can't think of the desperation it must feel like to not have Christ. To just not have any opportunity to experience him on a daily basis. Because I take it for granted because I do get to deal with Jesus every day on a daily basis. I brush elbows with Jesus every morning. I see him in the faces of the people around me. And when I watch the news, my heart breaks, not because I think the news is just bad, but because I can see a lack of Jesus every day in it. This is why real men build people up. This is why real men go to work every day. It's so that the man of God may equip others to be the best they can be in Jesus. When I was growing up, this new cartoon series that hit the TV screen, I, I loved it. It was G.I. Joe, American hero, fighting to save the day. Yo, Joe. I remember this because every day it was the same thing. You would see them fight, and at the end of every episode... One of the characters from G.I. Joe would appear on the screen. And it'd say, here's the story of the day. We learned blank, and you should do blank in response. So it wasn't just hearing that G.I. Joe had beat Cobra that day. It was also something that you could do to beat your own Cobras. Do I remember on TV when they used to do the, the little, the more you know commercial kind of things? It was always this like after TV special or after school specials that come on TV, it'd be like, little Johnny got beat up today at school. And little Sally saw it. What should Sally do? What would you do? Sally goes to the teacher. Yay, Sally. Sally's a hero. The more you know. Dun, dun, dun. And we were like, oh, clearly I need to see if there's little Johnny's getting beat up at my school. I could be a Sally. Um, I never said that out loud, but... Uh, I think that you get the point that there's something in us that wants to change the world. And I want you to get it because outside of the things of Jesus, people are always pursuing something that's a mission or a calling that they see. And outside of Jesus, it amounts to little more than saving the orca whales. And so our world is constantly trying to find a cause, something that would make them feel fulfilled, something that would, I don't know, maybe stop the hurt or you know, heal the insides of us, and they're constantly wanting to be a part of something, and only we believe it doesn't need to be Jesus. You see, men of God, we have a calling, and it's to build. Inside of each man is this instinct to build something, and it may not be woodwork or steelwork. It may not be like, I'm going to build you know, the greatest towers and, and businesses. It, it may not be any of that, but inside of us is an instinct to build because we have been built into in our lives. You have been built into. 
And frankly, I, I want to just talk honestly that you may have been built really badly. And some of you have a story in this room today that you would say, you know, I had a really bad run. You'd say, I've just been built badly, and so I don't think you get it, Pastor Kyle, that my life hasn't been easy. Listen, that's why you come here. This is a place of people who have broken stories. This is a place where you come to be built up and again. There's not, I, I can get guaranteed, my parents are still in the front row. I'm so grateful I get to spend Father's Day with my dad. That's, that doesn't happen very often. We don't get to see each other on occasions. Um, I was built really well, but I, I can tell you that I've had my own story. And so have you. So have they. We all have brokenness in our stories. That's why you come to a place like a church to hear from God and get some motivation to go and start to change part of your story. And how you change it is you don't become the author. You give the pen to God. And you simply say, I'm an open book, Lord. Change my story. Men of God, our job is to build, but frankly, we're really bad at it. You know why? Because we need being built up as well. So I'm not asking you today as we start this sermon to go out and be, you know, just like pristine, shining in the sun. Look unto me, all of you sinners. Like, don't, don't do that. I'm instead asking you to be real and to realize the world around you, there's people that look just like you who are looking for something to hold on to in the midst of a storm. And that someone is Jesus. Go to the real builder, the author and perfecter of our faith, the cornerstone that the builders rejected. Go to him who created the world. Go to him who started all the things in motion with a breath. He can still build. He's still really good at it. So next time you wake up in the mirror, and we're, we're about to get to the text, I promise you. The next time you look in the mirror and you have something to say to your image contrary to I am created by God, why don't you pray to the builder and simply say, Lord, in my mind, I'm seeing something that's not right. And let the builder tell you what he thinks. He is more than enough. You know, men build each other up. And so in, first, or in Philippians chapter 4, starting with the first verse, Philippians chapter 4, is where our text is going to be today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. So then, my brothers, you are dearly loved and longed for my joy and my crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Euthodia and Satri to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, as we look at the text today, I'm thinking back to these building blocks. You know, we've come through this, 
this time together in the text. We started with identifying who a man is. We, we took a look at men do manly things. They, they, they act as though God has created them the right way. And so men do manly things. And then the next week we talked that, that men run in packs. That God created us for community. And that when men commune together, when they run in packs, amazing things can happen. So today as we talk about men build others up around them, I want you to know that since you travel in packs, that means this. You may not have the answer, but praise God, through his spirit, he may give one of your brothers the right answer. There's something about Proverbs that speaks to me this morning that says in the counsel of wisdom, decisions can be made. That when we start to count on the wisdom of those around us, we start to become wiser And so that's why we have to do manly things. That's why we have to run in packs. It's so that when it comes time to build, we have brothers around us that can do it. One of the few things I I will say about my upbringing that I appreciate is this, that my dad always included me in working. Um, Whether it's at the church or the house, when something had to be done, dad would simply say something like, hey, come with me, come watch this. It's a trade I've put into my kids. They may not get a chance to like, you know, break a wrench over it at the time or something like that, but they're, they're watching, they're seeing what's happening. And so now there's things that just come to me because I've watched my dad do it. I, I've just seen him do it, so now I can do those things. There's some things that I'll just say that, um, that I've had to learn on my own, but I've learned them probably through most of you guys. I've got to be around you here working on the building or outside or how you deal with people. I, I will say this, no one in this world visits a hospital better than Dale Moreland. I mean, if you've ever been in the hospital and Dale walks in, he puts you at ease. God's just blessed him with that gift. And I, I got to tell you, when I'm around him and I watch him do it, I'm sitting there going, really? Like, why would they ask me to come? Like, hey, Dale so-and-so's in the hospital. He's like, well, go. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because you're going to come next and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, the pastor came, bless his heart. <laughs> but thank you for coming, Dale. Super hospital visitor, man. Um, but it, you, I've, I've gained wisdom from him in that. I mean, God has given you guys to me in my pack so that when those times come where I don't know how to handle something, you're instinctively there because you're part of my pack. And we get things built because of you guys with me. I mean, I can't imagine a better thing in life to know that at the end of my life, I have ran well with a pack of skillful men who love Jesus. Like, that's, that's awesome. What a legacy to live out with people. We get to run in packs. We get to accomplish big things, and we get to build things up because we're together. So as we look at this together in Philippians chapter 4, The first thing we get this morning is this, that men lead in the celebration. Verse 4 says this, rejoice. Does it just say that or does it say in the Lord? Or what does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And then he even says it again so that you would get it. I say it again, rejoice. So that means this, men lead out in the celebration of the right things. We talked about that last week. This is not a celebration for the sake of just celebrating everything. Listen, I'm so glad that you learned how to skip yesterday. We're probably not going to throw a party. But congratulations. If you don't know how to skip, at the end of service, uh, Grant will be in the the foyer to teach how to skip, and you'll learn it very quickly. Um, 
but that, there's, we don't throw celebrations for obvious reasons for certain things, do we? But there's some things we always throw celebrations for, like getting old. Like, hey, you look like you got a year older. Let's light things on fire. You're like, yay! It starts being fun eventually, doesn't it? When you can't buy one pack of candles for your birthday anymore, you're having to buy a multi-pack, you have to go to Sam's to buy candles. It stops being fun. We need to learn to celebrate the right things. There's things worth celebrating in life, and that's this. When someone walks an aisle to receive Jesus, when someone's obedient in baptism, when someone starts to serve, those kind of things are meaningful to us. Like, we believe that the natural response of following Jesus is you start to act like him. Jesus was baptized. Jesus served. Like, those are the things that should come naturally to a Christian. So when they don't happen, you start to wonder, don't you? Do they know Jesus? That's a natural response. So we celebrate. We lead in this celebration. We men need to be the celebration leaders. And frankly, the, the most amazing thing, and I told the kids this this last week at kids camp. When they came into our worship services, we started to cheer a little bit louder. Like we started to clap a little bit more. We, we found out that we can clap in the middle of songs. I know, right? It's like, oh, I didn't know we could do this. This is amazing. It's like working out while worshiping. Um, but they taught us that. Why is that? Because we men need to lead the way. That's our calling. We're to be the celebration leaders. The other thing is this. We need to learn to break free from the world's demands. Scripture tells us in this, verse 6, Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We need to be people that give our everything to the Lord. That means to free ourselves from the world. We get this, this battle of flesh and spirit, right? We need to learn to free ourselves up so that God can have all of us. It, it would be like this. If the day that April and I got married... We showed up on our wedding date, and, and April's walking down the aisle, and she gets up to the front. Her dad's about to give her away, and I say, um, hold on. I, I just wanted you to know, when you marry me, you're going to inherit some things like, and you start to make a list of all the worst things on the planet. Like, you get a garbage dump to live in. My cousin is Oscar the Grouch. Um, I mean, she would be going, mm, hold on. Let me think about this. I, also, you also get this. That's what the world stuff is to God. When we try and make God and the world equivalent in our lives, we've chosen a God and it's not him. Our God is greater, I think we just sang. Right? So to do that, we've got to start giving away more of the world and holding on to more of God until eventually in life we start to look more and more like Dobry than we do like us. We need to wake up with some anticipation that God is great and he's worth everything we've got. Here's the third thing. When we start to be men of courage, when we start to do things the right way, we start to put our hearts and minds on guard. We put our hearts and minds on guard so they can help others. It says this, and the peace of God which surprises every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So who guards your heart? Is it you? It's never you. It's God. God will guide your heart and he will guard it. So how can we help others? How can we build them up? How do we get to a place where we're building people up 
we have to go back to God and say, I'm giving you everything I got. And now I also need you to guard me, Lord, so that as I go to help, I don't become useless. You ever felt like that? I mean, you, you want to do the right things, but you see that people around you are struggling still. I know as a pastor, I feel this often, that I, I feel like God has something to say to you, and I, I may tell you or I'll preach it, and then I'll be like, and there's nothing there. And you start to go, man, I, I thought that, I thought that was it. And I believe in those moments God was going, hey, um, two things, who are you preaching to? Are you preaching for them or for me? And second is, were you listening? Because as much as they're an audience, pastor, so are you. And so there's some Sundays I'll preach a sermon, and I can just tell you from my stance, I'm suffering through it. Because the Lord is training me and teaching me and equipping me so that I will get the point. And hopefully you do too. But I can just tell you, there's not a Sunday that goes by that a sermon doesn't come through the Holy Spirit's movement that it doesn't affect me. This series for me of being a man has been a challenge. Not because I'm not a man, but because I, I want God to shape me to be the kind of man he's called me to be. Not just one that's acceptable to everyone. In fact, just opposite, I believe that we're to be foreign. We're to be alien in nature, I think scripture tells us, right? Of this world, but not of it. So how is it that we keep looking more and more like it and less and less like Jesus? We need something to happen, Lord. Send something to happen. The last is this. They will never stop following the leader. Remember what I said last week in the pack? There is a leader in what? It's not you. It's not me. I'm a pastor. I am not the leader of the church. Um, I get to be a, an amazing point of reference for the greatness and the glory of God. Um, I'm a broken sinner saved by the grace of God so that when we get together, we can point towards him. So they never stop following the leader. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's any praise, dwell on these things, do what you have learned and received and heard and see in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I think there's this moment, if, if you'll imagine it with me. Moses is in the desert. The presence of God is amongst them. And God says, build for me a place. So they build this tent and they, they do it exactly as God has called them to do. And in that moment, as they're preparing and waiting, it says that God's presence moves into the place. And for the first time in a long time, they're starting to see God amongst them in a tangible way. And how powerful of a moment that had to have been. And how separating it must be to feel like God is not with us now. He is with us, Sydney. And our world wakes up today outside of Jesus, and they don't feel it. They don't get it. You know why? Because the headlines are still going to be the headlines. They're still going to wake up the next day, and something terrible is going to happen in our world. And they're going to say, where was God then? If the God that you say you follow is there, where was he 
here. And I get it, I, I understand, because you're going to be like me a lot of times. I'm going to go, that's a tough one, isn't it? Can I tell you where God is? He's always there. You may not see him. In fact, you may, you may be hurting to see or feel him. I can promise you a couple of things. He's always there. He's always present. He's always available. And I, I can just say from the heart of me, some of you have gone through situations that I've never been in. And I don't want to preach a sermon today to make you feel like if you're going through something, you shouldn't experience something from it. I'm just saying this. In the midst of where you are, would you simply just say, Lord, where are you? And wait. Just wait. There's this doctor who, uh, who was asked by a patient about heaven. And he said, doctor, you're a Christian? He said, yes, I am. So, well, then, doctor, what, is, what does heaven look like on the other side? So, man, I, I mean, we got a few things, but... I can really show you like this. And he walked up to the door and he simply stood there. And on the other side, he could hear. And he said, you hear that sound? He goes, yes, sir. Here's, you see, that's my dog in my office. My dog has no idea what's happening in here. Has no clue if on the other side of the door, what it even remotely looks like in here. All he knows is one thing. And the man said, what's that? He goes, I'm here. He goes, and all I can tell you is this. What I know about heaven is this. I don't care if when I get there, there's streets of gold, as Scripture describes. He goes, because I believe they're going to be there. Or pearly gates, as Scripture decides, because Scripture says they are, and they're going to be there. But I can just tell you, I'm going to bypass all of those things because Jesus is there. And I can just tell you, in the midst of your hardship, it may feel like a closed door. Just keep scratching. Because I remember a passage that Jesus is talking and he says, open the door and I'll come in and sup with you. I'll be with you. Just keep scratching. It may not be an answer immediately, but just know this. There's a loving God and I'm not him who loves you desperately enough that he would send Jesus just for you. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. Why would a loving God send his only son so that sin couldn't just take you out? The bad that happens, the bad that you've done, the wrong that you've done, the lives you've said, whatever it is. He did it so that in all of that, God could put on Jesus, his only son, all the sins of the world so that if you would believe in him, the wages of your sin wouldn't be the end of your life. So if you believed in him, you would not simply perish, but you would live again in him. While we don't know what life looks like this side of heaven, maybe it looks to you like a closed door. If you'll put your faith in this Jesus guy, the only Son of God. I promise you, He says these words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That doesn't mean you won't go through hardship. 
It just means in the midst of this crazy world where Satan is just doing his best to destroy and kill and take away everything that's going on, Jesus stands and says, peace, be still. This one's mine. In the midst of all this craziness, you may feel like you're standing alone going, God, what do I do? And then eventually, I believe this with all my heart, you'll look beside you and there will be Jesus with you. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Put your trust in this Jesus. Let's pray. Father, build us up. Lead us, God, to be people of your heart and your character. God, help us to be people who seek those around us that need Jesus. God, lead us and guide us, God, to be men of courage, people of courage, women of courage, students of courage, children of courage. God, help us to be people that look to you for everything that we do so that we might build others up for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, we need you. So, Father, in the midst of the hurricane, be our anchor today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We believe that today you need a moment with Jesus. Not with us, pastors, but with Jesus Christ. And so today you can come to the altar and kneel. You can pray right where you are. I pray that today if you feel like God's asking you to do something, you don't know what to do next, come talk to us. If you want to believe in this Jesus guy like I did and like I do, would you come this morning to say, I want to know how to do that. I want to be changed by him today. You come and let us know. No matter what, now is your time. You come. Let's speak to Jesus this morning.